Most people are naturally good and some people are just naturally bad. This has been our way of trying to explain how and why evil things happen in our world. But evidence exists that each of us can be both good and bad. It just depends what type of situation we're put in. If you don't believe me, it's time to get educated. Welcome to Educated, a new podcast featuring easy-to-follow academic discussion in psychology and other special topic areas. My name is Mario Raquetta, and I'll be leading you through this episode, the third and final part of our Who's the Boss mini-series on conformity. Up to now, we have highlighted the work of Solomon Ash in the 1950s, who demonstrated the power of social pressure to make people conform, as well as the work of Stanley Milgram in the 1960s, who showed us through his obedience studies that people will obey authority even if it means doing cruel things. It's time now to shift our focus into the 1970s, specifically to the work of one Philip Zimbardo. In case you've never heard of Philip Zimbardo, this guy is legendary in the field of psychology. And though he's known for many things throughout his storied career, it's arguably his Stanford prison experiment of 1971 that gained him notoriety. Much like Milgram's obedience studies, Zimbardo's prison experiment was highly criticized for ethical reasons. Go figure, the two of them were actually classmates once upon a time at James Monroe High School in the Bronx. So maybe there was something in the water there that led both of them to conduct controversial research. I digress. Let's set the stage here for Zimbardo's prison experiment by acknowledging first that it came about in the aftermath of what Stanley Milgram had found, which was that normal, everyday, kind people will act against their moral convictions if people in authority tell them to do so. With this in mind, Philip Zimbardo wanted to discover what would happen if normal, everyday, kind people were put into positions of authority with unimpeded power, How would that affect their behavior? Would they willingly use or even abuse the power that was granted to them? That's a good question, Phil. Cue the Stanford prison experiment, which took place at Stanford University in 1971 with 24 middle-class American college students who all underwent tests to establish that they were mentally healthy. Now, a coin flip was used to randomly assign the students to either the role of guard or to the role of prisoner. And soon enough, on a Sunday morning, these students who were randomly assigned to the role of prisoner, they were actually arrested at their homes and they were booked at a real police station and then transferred to the basement of the Stanford Stanford University Psych Department, which had been converted into a makeshift prison. Now, in order to make the experience as psychologically authentic as possible, the prisoners were stripped down. They were searched. They were even deloused. They were given uniforms. The whole nine yards. There was no messing around here. 
And also to heighten the sense of dehumanization, the prisoners were actually addressed by their given number and only by their given number. Each prisoner even had a chain bolted around one of their ankles to serve as a reminder that they were no longer free. As for the students who were put into the role of guard, well, they were given like military style uniforms and sunglasses, which made eye contact impossible. And they also were given keys to carry, whistles, handcuffs, and even clubs. They were on duty 24 hours a day and were essentially given complete control over the prisoners with sort of an an implicit permission to maintain order through whatever tactics they saw fit. Now, you might immediately have the thought, this could have been a recipe for disaster, but I'm sure there's no way that anything got out of hand because it was a make-believe situation. Well, if that's what you're thinking, you are dead wrong because this recipe for disaster, it actually turned into just that, a complete disaster. To the researchers' amazement, the Stanford prison experiment, um, the environment actually became so threatening to the participants that the study had to be quickly ended after just six days. Every single guard had actually become abusive and authoritarian in their ways. They were denying the prisoners food, bedding. They were, they hooded the prisoners. And by that, I mean the act of prisoners having, you know, like sacks put over their heads. Uh, what else? They chained the prisoners up. They made them clean out toilet bowls with their bare hands. It flat out got to the point where the guards started using the prisoners almost as if they were play toys, making them take part in degrading games. Now, you might be wondering if it took the full six days for things to get to this point, but the reality is that within 36 hours of the experiment starting, one of the prisoners had to actually be released because he was demonstrating signs of severe depression along with fits of rage. He was crying uncontrollably. It wouldn't stop. And finally, when the other prisoners started showing similar symptoms of acute distress, Zimbardo realized the situation was out of hand. It was just flat out dangerous. And so he ended the experiment. Now, if you can just bear with me here, let's look past all of the ethical considerations, look past your own personal feelings of perhaps disgust with an experiment like this. What did we actually learn from the Stanford prison experiment? Simply put, the work of Zimbardo showed us that Good people can behave badly when they are put into the appropriate situation. As Zimbardo himself explained, any deed that any human being has ever done, however horrible, is possible for any of us to do under the right or wrong situational pressures. Let's word all of this in another way so that we can make sure we have the right understanding. Normal, healthy people will start to behave according to the social roles that are assigned to them. Those in positions of power will naturally use their authority, while those in subordinate positions will submit to authority. It is the power of social situations then, rather than the dispositions of people, that leads to evil behavior. 
Now, this Stanford experiment to this day remains controversial in many ways, but that certainly didn't stop Zimbardo from continuing to wonder and to try to explain the results. In fact, in 2007, Zimbardo wrote a book called The Lucifer Effect, in which he essentially gives a detailed written account of the events surrounding the Stanford prison experiment, along with, you know, 30 years of subsequent research into the psychological and sociological factors that result in good people doing evil things. If you're interested in learning more about this, feel free to check out The Lucifer Effect. Otherwise, I really want to take this opportunity right now to thank all of our listeners who have explored uh, what is often the the controversial sort of topic on conformity over the course of this three-part mini-series entitled Who's the Boss? right here on Educated. For me personally, as someone who's always been extremely interested in and passionate about social psychology, the topic of conformity has always been near and dear to my heart. The works of Ash, Milgram, and Zimbardo, I think, have really given us some important insights as to why people behave the way they do. And, you know, all of this conformity talk over the past several episodes has really gotten me thinking about my own experiences, so many awesome experiences that I got to have during my undergrad studies at Algoma University in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. As an honors psychology student, I had the privilege of participating in something called SIMSOC, which stood for Simulated Society, under the direction of Professor Jack Dunning, who to this day remains someone I really, really look up to as not only a teacher, but as a mentor. Anyway, Jack led us through SimSoc, which is essentially this type of game where for a whole weekend, we as the student participants were immersed in this sort of simulated society on campus where some of us were given power and authority and others were given nothing and some got to play the role of the media and so on. I got the firsthand experience of just how real these types of social pressures are and what conformity looks like as the result of threats and punishments and so forth. So undoubtedly, there is a lot to be said about these types of social experiments and the results they produce. Uh, it even led me in my in my thesis program at Algoma University under the tutelage of Jack Dunning to um, conduct my own research on conformity. And, uh, and uh, I actually used elementary school students in a version of the uh, the ash line experiment to sort of test how conformity measured up against uh, you know situations where the students thought that they were being marked or graded and and situations where they didn't think they were being marked and graded and I specifically looked at the uh, the variable of birth order and whether, you know, firstborn children were more or less likely to conform versus, you know, second or third and so on born children, uh, especially whether, you know, they were conforming in situations where they thought they were being graded by a teacher or where they thought it was just for fun. So lots to be said here about conformity. I certainly could talk about this all day, uh, but I won't because we have reached the end of the episode. And uh, certainly we just want to wrap up by again, you know, pointing to all of these conformity experiments over the years, which have really helped us to gain insight about what goes on in our world and why people behave the way they do, a lot of times as a result 
of conformity. Jack, if you're listening, I dedicate this episode to you. Otherwise, join us next time on Educated, where we will break down a new topic in the area of psychology. Don't forget to tweet at EducatedPod with your two cents, your feedback, any questions, or even suggestions about topics that you would like us to discover uh, in the near future. Until then, this has been Mario Ricchetta, and you've just been educated.